brethren in uh, Boston. That's a cool town out there. Totally unflappable. We like to salute that crowd. It seems that a guy uh, wearing uh, sneakers and gold rim glasses and nothing else. Got on one of their trains the other day, and the suburban train, you know, coming in, the commuters. And they sat there for 20 minutes. Nobody said a damn thing. They all sat around, read their papers, and this guy just sat there and smoked a cigar, and they finally got off. One of the stops and left. Not a single word. Now, that's, that's what I call. Playing close to the vest. <laughs> hey, good old Boston. Living up there for Boston's almost as funny as Philadelphia, in some ways. As far as I'm concerned, Philadelphia is just, just by nature a very funny city. Oh, yeah. They, they invented, for example, the art form of Philadelphia, which ironically is the city of brotherly love. They invented the creative boo bird. I mean, a guy that can really boo creatively. Tremendous. Wonderful art form. Look at that place. Before we uh, get started, may I indulge myself for a moment here? This is just something I wanted to do because uh, I like to indulge myself sometimes. Would you please? Uh, thank you. Please. Uh, big Daddy, please. Yes, Big Daddy, please. Yes.
instrument, is it? I mean, that is, if it's played right, huh? There's only two ways to play. The Jews are, friend. That's the right way and the wrong way. And the wrong way results in nothing but mean tempers. Would you, uh... <laughs> do you like the sound, really? Well, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a thing you have to be born to. I'm, I'm very... I'm very honest about this. You know, the one of the first jobs I ever had professionally in uh, showbiz was playing the Jews' heart. That's right. In a uh, in a C and W group, and uh, if you give me a yakety there, I'll show you how it's really done with a group like that, huh? You like that, huh? <laughs> and uh, while you're uh, on the uh, thing there, getting it all set, uh, if you may uh, get it set in there, let me know. Now, your little old head there, when you got you don't have to set it right, you know, really officially. All set now. All right, now wait, now just hold on here for a minute. Just hold on a minute now. I'm thinking about it. Okay, here we go. I think I get your head right. screaming for more. I mean, <laughs> well, now, wait a minute now. Do you know that the that this instrument that you're hearing right here now, I'm not going to, this is not going to be a show about Jews harp. I just want to indulge myself from time to time. Uh, you like to get the ashes shifted around a bit. But uh, this, uh, this is the oldest known musical instrument that is non-percussive. That is a fact. In fact, the oldest known well, I say known, of course, that's the key word. But they have a a model uh, of, uh, it's the actual one, of course, but it's it's the earliest known instrument is in the British Museum, and it's a Jews harp. And it's roughly 4,700 or something like that years old, found in the Middle East. <laughs> and I can only say that uh, you cannot put down something that has a history like that, friends. I mean, you can hate it, but you can't put it down. I mean, so so just shut your big old ignorant trap, that's all. Just shut your trap. I ain't listening. Hey, you know, uh, hey, uh, I, I'm about to bring up something that probably has... Uh, has uh, I, it's occurred to me many times. I don't know about you, you know, but uh, I had an experience once, and this story that I'm about to tell you is a, a moderately uh, eerie story. Have you ever ridden around the country any place, you know, outside of Jersey, anywhere in West Virginia, Connecticut, any place, and you see all those uh, you see all those street signs? Uh, uh, well, actually, road signs, not street signs, road signs with bullet holes in them. You mean to tell me you have not seen signs that got bullet holes in them? Well, where, where do you spend your time? 
And you've never seen... Well, then you don't look at road signs. I think you're just one of them guys that just run it so slow, you just don't even pay no attention, right? <laughs> you know, oh, I can't believe that you haven't seen road signs with, with, out on highways, highway signs. I don't mean street signs that said the 14th and Vine. I'm talking about road signs way the heck up. And you, you just go by so fast you don't know, huh? Well, you just got to look around sometime. Well, have you ever seen those? Have you ever seen those uh, 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 signs that people write on rocks and stuff? All right, let me tell you what happened to me one night. I am riding along. It's, oh, dark man! I'll tell you. Uh, I, I love to drive along late at night by myself. I don't know why this is so, but uh, it's a, it's something that I I I just tune into it. Uh, I'm not one of those people who need a lot of people around him. I'm, uh, you know, I always hear this song that, uh, who was it, Frank? What's that? I don't recall who wrote it. Uh, Barbara Streisand type thing. You know, people. This, uh, this is the reverse of me. I don't mean him. <laughs> I mean, most of the time, I, I could keep my own counsel. You ever, you ever had that feeling? Uh, you know, I, I love it. And I'm a lone type. And I love to drive along about 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, way out uh, someplace like, uh, say, uh, uh, on the main highway leading outside of Beckley, West Virginia, heading to some uh, esoteric place like Omaha or uh, Odessa, Texas, or something like that. Uh, late night, long distance driving is my thing. Now, this is uh, this is something that uh, many people avoid. You know, they you know, instantly they're in the first Howard Johnson Motel they can come to. As soon as the it starts getting a little bit dark out. And I, I'm, I'm quite the reverse. I tend to, if I have to rest on a, on a trip, I tend to want to do it in the daytime. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, late at night, you see some great stuff late at night if you keep your eyes open and you know what you're looking for. And one night I was driving through West Virginia, and it was a kind of a cold, damp night, and, and yet it was... Uh, was fairly uh, fairly visible. The visibility was was uh, kind of luminous, in the sense that uh, it was a gray night, but uh, there was a heavy moon apparently above the clouds, and it was uh, it was kind of light, and yet at the same time it was misty. You know that kind of night. I'm driving along through the mountains there, and uh, not a single car anywhere. There was nothing. It wasn't a light behind me and a light ahead of me. That's an eerie time. I'm driving along and I'm listening to some radio station down in down in uh, Dreamsville, Texas, or something, you know. And this guy is on, and he's got this he's got this heavy accent, and his his uh, his signal was coming through heavily overmodulated. It this everything pouring this they were just pouring every watt they could in the air. And it was one of these these stations, you know, that that has nothing but uh, what they call PIs in the business. You know what PIs are. A PI is a percentage of inquiry, meaning that the station doesn't sell time; it sells goods, which means that uh, they get they get a percentage of every piece of goods sold. So this guy's on. He says, "And I want to tell you, I'm not turning up again. I, the, I could hear the crashing of static somewhere. There was a big storm. It's two or three o'clock in the morning." He says, "And I want to tell you, for all you folks out there that have wondered where you're going to get wonderful, good, beautiful, clean." And, and magically colored quilt cloths for making that new quilt that you're planning to make for the holiday season, the quilt lady of Odessa, Texas, will be glad to send you a 10-pound bag of, of, of quilt patches. 
all pre-cut for you for just three ninety five a bag. You don't have to send no money. Just send your name and address to Quilt in Caribou, Odessa, Texas. Quilt. That's spelled Q-W-I-L-T. Quilt in Caribou, Odessa, Texas. You send your name and address, and you will be billed. And then ten days later, if you do not find total and complete satisfaction with with a quilt lady's wonderful quilt patches, we will be glad to refund your money with no question within 10 days. So you can't lose with this offer. And ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to point out too that if you are among the first 25 to tonight, I'm sitting now listening, see, and I'm driving along at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Man, this is the sound of our country. You know, and the wind is blowing over the mountains there, and the rain keeps coming and going. And yet it's a kind of luminous. I can see this road stretching ahead of me. Well, I, I go around one of the one of the hills. I'm digging down deep. We're going down towards towards this small town outside of Beckley. You know where Beckley is, don't you? Outside of this town, a heavily heavy, big woods all around me, and my my headlights are splashing on either side of the road. And I had the brights on. Well, all of a sudden, I see this guy pull out ahead of me. This guy in an old car just pulls out right ahead of me, and he starts taking off down the road straight ahead. And, and the two of us, you don't pass on a lot of those mountain roads. You just don't, you know. And uh, we're going like in tandem. And he's going pretty good, too. So he's up ahead about a half mile ahead. And I could see his taillight once in a while go around, go around a, a mountain, come back out and, and uh, for a while. And then he disappears. He hits another curve. So we finally hit a straight. We're, we're whistling along on a straight there maybe about, uh, oh, I'd say we were going maybe 70, 75 miles an hour, the both of us. seen this guy's up ahead there. When all of a sudden I see this guy pull off to the side. He's way up. He's about a mile, mile and a half ahead of me. He pulls off. I see the car just swerve off to the left. And I come, keep coming right on, you know. I come right on up there, and I slowed up because I didn't know what there was maybe a problem or two, you know. I didn't know. So I slowed up a little bit, and I was watching. And I can't believe the scene. This guy has jumped out of his car, and I see him. There's a big rock, great big rock piled up there. Uh, it's one of these... Uh, uh, kind of fields that's full of rocks, a little cliff there, you know, big rock. And he's jumped out, and he's got a bucket of paint. And he is writing on this big rock, Jesus saves. He puts it right out there, Jesus saves. And, and, I, and I see this in the, in the headlights, and he's running back, and he jumps in the car, and, and, and I, just at that moment I go, zoom. I go, which one passed him, see? And, and I see him pull out in the road, and now he's behind me. Well, we go about another... Another mile and a half like that, and the two of us going 10, and he's going hell-bent for election, see? So I just want to watch this guy. So I slow up, and sure enough, he goes past me, you know. He's got this old car banging away there, and he goes roaring by, and it's a car that's completely covered with, with uh, dust, you know, the kind that spends a lot of time on gravel roads. You know the kind you can't even read what state the license plate is from. It just looks like it's a state that the license plate's made out of clay, you know. <laughs> got this little dim red light over it, and he just goes, <laughs> he goes roaring by well, as he goes rolling by, and he takes a look out of that side side window at me, and I could see his face in the dark. He had this big, big, so look like a straw hat. And he just goes rolling by. Well, I see him going up ahead there. See, and I'm slowing up. I'm going down about 60, 65 now, and he's going along about 70, 75. He's slowly pulling away. Sure enough, about a mile and a half, two miles up the road from me, he pulls off again. And I just slowed up. I wanted to see him this time. See, I slowed up, and I pull along, and I'm just putting along maybe 50, 55. And then I see him, Jesus saves. He's right this on the side of somebody's barn <laughs> in the dark. Jesus saves. He jumps in the car. And the two of us rode down there and said, give me a little of that conqueror's music, man. This is a man with a mission. 
And I, and I said to myself, I said, my God, some guy's got a mission in life. The first time I ever saw any, any, anybody write one of those things. You know, Jesus, hey, he just laid it on that rock. And I had this, this entire time, you know, I, when I think about that, I have this, this vision of this guy. Night after night, right now, tonight, he's hurtling through the rain out there in that dark, that dark rain and wind blowing over those hills, and he's got that can of whitewash. He's got that big Sears robot brush. He's got that burning eye. He's got that clay-covered car, and he's jumping out, and he's writing, Jesus, save! And then he roars out again. And they're all among us, friends, the driven. Obviously, they'll know it. 
that is out, obviously, working for the other uh, the other candidate, and they are pulling down the posters. As this guy's putting them up, they are pulling them down. Now, I'm watching this scene, saying, my God, this is fantastic. And, you know, it, it, there's going to be a moment when those two cars are going to meet. And, uh, you know, the guy with the staple gun is going to come across the guy with the tack hammer to pull them out, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's the irresistible force. Well, I, as I walk along there, I thought to myself, you know, all over the world, there are, there are people who put up posters and write signs. I have never once in my in my life ever written anything on the side of a wall. Have you ever done it? You have? Ah, you have, eh? Well, now, uh, I, I, you don't mind if I get personal about this. What, what precisely did you write? I mean, after all, we do have a mixed audience here. What precisely did, was it? Was yours non-denominational? Just a, a small message for the world you left. I see. Well, was it a positive message, like a, like a be brave, or or, a, or was it a put-down message? <laughs> I'm just curious what you wrote. I, I wonder. You know, I, I I I'm always intrigued by by you know who it is who does this stuff. Uh, you know, who, who is the guy that actually... It's a good point, you know. And, I, and you never see them doing this stuff, really. Uh, and it has to happen uh, at, in a finite period in time. But who, who actually does it? But the night that I saw this guy write, Jesus saves, I knew I was seeing a historical moment. Because those things last, for, last forever. And I'm sure that a thousand years from now, <laughs> they're going to come across that rock. You know? <laughs> and, uh, of course, there's going to be another footnote in in a study of uh, man's ancient religions. Uh, that'll be the religion of our time, or at least, uh, you know, one of the religions of our time. And, uh, boy, I, I just wonder whether or not, if you if you look carefully at the bottom of, of uh, temples in ancient Greece, you know, where the temples are all sitting around there, outside of Athens, if you get the proper kind of uh, uh, ultraviolet uh, uh, ray kind of camera, if you can see ancient scroll things like uh, like Apollo lives. Or, uh, <laughs> Hooray for Mercury. Or Thor loves you. Uh, or or uh, watch out for Minerva. Well, you know, the guys of those days must have must have sat around the worry that, that, that they crossed the Neptune, uh, and Neptune's going to come at them with a with a with that trident, you know, with that yeah that uh, that big pickle fork, and uh, it's going to lay a goodie on them. You know, <laughs> you see Neptune. By the way, speaking of Neptune, if I may, I always when I from the time I was a kid, I was always fascinated by those gods. Yeah, you know, Apollo, the great great god. Uh, Mercury. Now, who is Mercury? Quick. You know, cars used to be named after gods. Has it occurred to you that the Mercury is named after a god? And what was he known for? Right. Winged Mercury. He was fast. Can you name other cars that were named after gods? Come on. All right. Can you name any of those other gods in that pantheon, in that crowd? Yes, Apollo, of course. Who else? <laughs> well, who is the head one in that crowd? You know, one of the, one of the funniest novels I ever read in my life 
and and uh, I have to admit this to you. I mean, because guys keep writing me and saying, uh, what influenced you, Shepard, as a writer? When you were a kid, they always want to think, you know, you must have sat around and read Mark Twain. I never did as a kid. I never read Mark Twain as a kid. For some reason or other, Mark Twain bored me as a kid. Yep, I have to admit it, it did. Uh, it was only later on that I, and, and even at that, I, I'm still not a Tom Sawyer fan. Uh, I must say that uh, Mark Twain's Life on the Mississippi, I dig, but uh, a lot of others just left me cold. Now, what else, what, what did affect me? Well, at the age of about nine, there was this kid across the street named Lawrence Stryker, who got deeply involved in reading the... And he was, he was like the social and uh, cultural leader of the block. You know, there's always one kid that's the kind of cultural leader, and everybody sort of does the thing he's doing. Just about the time he stops doing it, that's when you start picking up on it. So he's always a leader. Well, this, this kid got reading this series of books, and all of us had to read them. And I really got turned down by him. And one of the books, one of the novels, was about... It opened up with a scene of Neptune sitting in the bottom of a Miami Beach swimming pool and he was poking ladies with his trident. <laughs> what, what novel was this? It, 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 all the gods had come to life. You see what they did? They came back to Earth is what happened. They came back to Earth, you see. And uh, for, a, for a specific reason. And there's a whole crowd where Mercury was sitting around, Apollo, uh, Diana, Diana, quick, what, what's Diana the goddess of? Come on, the hunt. What's the matter with you guys? Diana of the hunt. And uh, and they, they were all sitting around doing their stuff, and I'm reading this, and I'm, I'm flipping, man. And ever since that time, I've had a soft spot in my head for, for, the, for that great crowd of gods. <laughs> and I, you know, I have a sneaking suspicion I'm going to come back. Now, wait a minute, don't put it down. Who would have thought if uh, just, uh, you know, if, if ten years ago you had said, you know, I, I know it's going to come back. I'll tell you what's going to come back. Uh, uh, exorcism is going to come back, and the devil and all that. So, yeah, you say, come on, you're out of here, bury the devil. The devil, you know, nobody believes in the devil. Right? Why, come on, are you kidding? Most guys are running around today figuring everything they do is caused by the devil. Has it occurred to you that the devil created Watergate? I mean, I think that would be a one hell of a fantastic defense for Ehrlichman to say that it was the devil. The devil was running the whole thing, you know, and it's possibly true. <laughs> I mean, we, we just, you know, we reject it out of hand, but, but there was some evil force at work. And who knows, you know? And, and I suspect within, within uh, 10 years, within 10 years, there will be a cult developed that will sit around and talk about uh, Dionysius. And they're going to sit there and, and uh, worship uh, Diana and Minerva. Now, uh, uh, how about Athena? That's right. That's a nice, and they have such great names, you know. Athena, Diana, Minerva. Um, you like you like uh, Mercury. Oh, Mercury. You, you like that little hat he wears? You see, he wears this funny little hat. Now, you you got to understand that the gods of that type, and this is what makes them so, yeah, so read. People can dig them is that they had very definite human weaknesses. These, these gods, uh, oh, they'd swing, they'd, uh, they'd, they'd, they'd drink heavily, they'd do stupid things. Sure. And they had, uh, they had very human angers. Uh, oh, one of them get bugged and come down and just lay waste the whole countryside, you know, hurling thunderbolts around just because he got bugged. Uh, this is very human. And, uh, 
And it's a kind of an attractive uh, series of things to think about, to believe. And as a kid, I got into this, and I don't know whether or not most kids go through a period where they get involved in, in uh, mythology. Did you ever go through that as a kid, reading mythology at all? Well, what did you read as a kid? Allied catalogs? No? Uh, what, the, what was it? Yeah, you know, yeah, and I, I, I go through that. Uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I think it would make a fantastic uh, TV series. You know, Nightlife of the Gods. And, uh, that was, by the way, the name of the novel uh, that I'm, I'm discussing. It was called Nightlife of the Gods. And uh, I will award Brass Figgy with Bronze Oak Leaf Palm if you can tell me the name of the author of that. He also wrote. Uh, he also wrote a novel from which a very early famous TV series was made. He's been long since dead, but uh, his stuff lends itself curiously to television. And this series occasionally shows up on you know channels that are way down at the end of the line that don't even still have they haven't got color yet. You know, and they, they play nothing but old black and white movies and old reruns of uh, TV wrestling and that kind of stuff. Uh, occasionally you will see his, uh, uh, this series show up. This same guy wrote this series. And his, uh, the series was based on a novel that he wrote. Come on. I'll give you a clip. It was about, it was, uh, it was about a guy who was dead, and he was a ghost. And he, he huh? Correct. Very good. Absolutely. Topper. Correct. Now, who wrote that? He also uh, he also wrote a novel where where a guy <laughs> where a guy was was magically suddenly turned into a woman. And that also was made first into a movie, and then later it, it became a TV series for a short time. The movie version was played by an actress who you may or may not recall, Carol Landis. Do you recall the name Carol Landis? And the man who played, who was the man in this thing, was a guy named John Hubbard. Did you ever hear of that actor? Yeah. <laughs> but, but what was the name of that novel? And who was the guy? I'll tell you another clue. He was a he was a professor. This guy wrote these novels in his his spare time. They were curiously ribald novels. Uh, they could not be called obscene. They only could be called ribald. One of his novels was about a guy that was changed into a horse. And the opening scene was him walking down the street, and he's very embarrassed. He meets these two people that he knows, and here he is. He's a horse, and he's got no clothes on, and he's a horse. And he keeps apologizing. He's look, I, I, I can't. Uh, uh, very embarrassed about uh, showing up like this. But uh, uh, <laughs> who was this novelist? He also wrote another fine novel uh, where the 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 guy again. He he was interested in, in viewing things from two different angles. That the guy was. Uh, uh, you heard me tell the story about the guy that was turned into a goldfish, right? You know about that one. He also wrote that novel. You don't know who he is. Very few people know of him, but he, he affected a lot of other writers because he combined fantasy with a kind of uh, sidonic ribaldry and at the same time uh, 
uh, wild. Uh, it was, wasn't, wasn't, you couldn't, you see, you couldn't put his work in any given category. He wasn't, uh, uh, no way fantasy fiction, but yet, what, what can you classify a novel where the main characters are all the gods, uh, like Neptune and, and Mercury and Diana and, uh, you know, that crowd? What is it? It is fantasy, obviously, but at the same time, it was just really unbelievably ripples and, 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 and sort of curiously debauched. Now, this guy was a professor, and he was also a legendary drinker. Who was it? Who created Topper? Who played Topper? In the TV, who? Right. Can you remember the dog that walked around in, in Topper? Right. <laughs> well, uh, uh, some of his books, one of them called uh, Well, The Nightlife of the God, Topper, was, was one of his novels. Topper. The Stray Lamb was one of his best novels. I suspect some uh, hip publisher is going to wind up and bring these back out in paperback. They're really curious reading. Uh, I mean, they combine they combine a Jovian concept. And in fact, you'd have to say his literature was almost uh, a kind of hardcover graffiti. <laughs> Would you please? I mean, you you kind of like these literary shows from time to time. Right now, there's three minutes. At this hour of the night, I'll guarantee you, some guy is jumping out of a 53 Dodge, carrying a can of white paint, and he's wetting Jesus' face. My God, he's good. We all are, in one way or another. Some just curve it, but another. If you will. New York, stay tuned for In Conversation. You hear?